Good morning, church. My name's Stan. I'm the lead pastor here, and it's great to be with you today. How is your 2023 going so far? Okay, okay. Wow, that, that bad. That bad. That good, maybe. I don't know. Well, hey, I saw a meme this week that I think you can relate to based on that response, okay? And this meme said this. It says, nobody claimed 2023 as your year. We're all going to walk in real slow. Be good. Be quiet. Be cautious and respectful. And don't touch anything. <laughs> can you relate to that? Yeah, yeah. To, to me, that, that's my vision for the year is to not touch anything. So after two years of lockdowns and then another year of trying to figure out how do we do life in this world now, what, what, what is okay, what's not, and all those things, I think we all are hoping for a bit of stability this year. And 2022 saw a lot of change in our world. It saw a lot of change for us in the church. As you look around this place, we see lots of new people. We see ministries that are running differently than they did before. We've seen uh, lots of different things about the, even the way we do church. We have a hybrid environment. Online people, welcome. Love you guys. Thanks for being here with us. But as we consider that for 2023, we need to steady the ship. We need to continue to build our faith on the foundations that have been laid so that we can continue moving forward. And you know, as we think about moving forward in our own personal lives as well as as a community of faith, we need to understand that God has a plan for all of us. He has a plan for you individually. He has a plan for us as a church collectively. But the journey isn't always a straight path. You would have seen that in the uh, video that uh, Simon made for us. So to maintain course and move forwards, focus on that. Look at the move forwards because we don't want to just maintain. Our faith must be steady as she goes. That's our emphasis over the next four weeks, steady as she goes. Now, steady as she goes is a nautical term. It comes from ships and uh, sailing and things, and I, I love boats. If you go in my office, I've got a few boats. I've got tattoos of boats. I've got all kinds of boats, things. It's a, it's a nautical term that is an instruction given from the captain to keep the ship heading steadily on the same course regardless of gusts of wind or cross currents. Okay, to keep this, the ship going steadily on course, no matter what happens, no matter what disruptions there might be, let's keep on course. So we're taking that principle, and over the next four weeks, we're going to look at some biblical characters and how they exemplified that in their lives, how they were steady as she goes throughout their life, and how that worked out for them, how that played out. So today, we're going to kick off with an Old Testament guy called Joseph. Now, if you're not familiar with Joseph, go read Genesis chapters 37 through 50. I'm going to preach that whole bunch of text today. So sit tight, relax. I hope you brought some lunch with you maybe. But 13 <laughs> chapters today. No, just kidding. But anyway, if you don't know Joseph, 
Joseph was the great-great-grandson of Abraham. Abraham uh, was the, the one that God said, I'm going to make of you a great nation. And then he had Isaac, who had Jacob, who had Joseph. Okay, so that's where Jake, or Joseph sits uh, in our narrative today. Joseph was the son of Jacob, and he was actually the favorite son of Jacob because he was born uh, to him of his wife, Rachel, who was his favorite wife. And that's a whole complicated thing, talking about which is his favorite wife and why do you have multiples. That's for another day. But Jacob was his favorite son because he was Rachel's son and he was born in his old age. So Joseph got special treatment from Jacob most of his life. And at one point, Jacob, and if I get those names wrong, translate for me, okay? Because I'm talking fast and everything. But anyway, Jacob made a coat for Joseph. It's called the coat of many colors. And if you go to theaters and stuff, you can see the Technicolor Dream, Joseph's coat, that kind of thing. That's what we're talking about today. So, but that coat signified something to Joseph's siblings. It signified that he was Jacob's favorite. And because of that, they would have assumed that Jacob was going to give Joseph all the rights that would normally go to the firstborn. Joseph was not the firstborn, okay? He was number 11 in line there. And the brothers didn't like Joseph very much because of this, because he was the favorite. So his half-brothers hated him because he's the favorite. Any favorite children in the room? And you know it. Oh, wow, wow. You actually raised your hand because you know you were the favorite. My hand's up. I was the favorite. I hated being the favorite. It's a lot of pressure being the favorite. And I felt sorry for my brother. But anyway, so this favorite child had a couple of dreams. And he had these dreams. And the first dream was that he and his brothers were out in a field and they were binding up grain. And he said, my grain stood up and all of yours bowed down before me. And they were like, dude, you must be on something. That ain't happening. You're not going to rule over us. Then he had another dream. And because uh, he's sharing this dream with his brothers, by the way, I forgot to tell you that part. He went and told his brother about that, his brothers. That was not a good move. Okay. Then he had another dream and it was about the stars and the sun and the moon and all the stars and the sun and the moon all bowed down to Joseph as well. So then he goes back and he tells them about that dream too, and he tells his dad about that dream. And his brothers are like, you're an idiot. Dad was like, what? Are you serious? And then he went away and wondered about it uh, some. So we need to understand that part about dreams as we start getting into the life of Joseph, because dreams for Joseph were a calling. The dreams were a destination that God was speaking into his life that he was going to be a ruler. And it didn't go down well with the brothers, and we'll talk about that a lot here in a few minutes. But while Joseph didn't understand fully that plan at the moment, he knew that God was gonna do something special with him. But see, between the time he had the dream and its fulfillment, the gap between the dreams and their fulfillment, there's this thing that happens called life, all right? And that's what we're going to look at today. We're going to look at the life part of it. What happened between the time he had the dreams and the time that they were fulfilled. So we're going to look at four different seasons of Joseph's life. And then we're going to, so I'm going to tell you the story. And then we're going to go back and we're going to learn life lessons from those four seasons. So stay with me, okay? I'm going to tell you a big, long story about Joseph's life. Then we're going to apply it, okay? You with me? 
All right, here we go. So to start with, we're going to look at life in the pit. That's the first season we want to look at with Joseph's life. After he told his brothers about the dream, they're out tending sheep one day. And dad says, hey, favorite son of mine, Joseph, come over here. Yeah, yeah, get your coat of many colors that makes you special. And I want you to go check on your brothers and come back and tell me how they're doing. Does that sound like a good move? These brothers already ticked off. They already hate him. So when Joseph goes to see them, they saw him coming, and they made a plan. They saw him coming. They said, hey, let's kill him. You know, we don't like him. We'll get rid of him. Reuben, the oldest brother, was a little more sensible, and he said, instead of that, how about we throw him in this empty pit here? It's a well, and it's empty. We'll just throw him down in the bottom of that, and then he'll just die on his own, we, and we won't actually kill him. We'll just put him in the pit. So Reuben did that, and then they took his coat, and they ripped it up. Then they put goat's blood on it, and then took it back to Jacob, his father, so his father would think that Joseph had been killed by a wild animal. They led him to believe that. Jacob believed that. Now, while he was in the pit, though, a band of gypsies, uh, Midianites uh, is what they were called, came along and they said, hey, instead of letting him die there in the pit, let's sell him to them and we'll make some money off of it. So they sold him to the Midianites, all right? And then they did the thing with the coat and went and told Jacob all that. So then we've got the Midianites have got Joseph with them. They're traveling with him. They take him to Egypt. And here we're going to transition to life, not in the pit, but in the penthouse for Joseph. So Joseph is now in Egypt. He was sold to a guy called Potiphar. You're staying with me, right? Because this is all important to get this story before we start applying it. The The guy called Potiphar, who was Pharaoh's captain of the guard. And he would have lived in the penthouse. Now, I'm calling it the penthouse because Joseph was living there as Potiphar's slave, okay? So the, when I say penthouse, don't think it's a cushy gig for Joseph, all right? It's not, it's not quite like that. Joseph, though, quickly impressed Potiphar because everything he did, God was blessing. And Potiphar recognized that it was the Lord blessing him. Look at Genesis chapter 39, verse 2. It says this, The Lord was with Joseph, so he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. Joseph's life now is that of a servant, of a slave, and he was successful in that. And life was good, life was all right. He he put Joseph in charge of everything, and life was all good, except that Potiphar had a wife who took a liking to Joseph. And she looked at Joseph, and it says day after day, she kept trying to get him to sleep with her. Said, hey, Joseph, yeah, come on, come on. You know, uh, I'm cute. Come on, you're cute. Let's do this thing. And Joseph kept saying, no, 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 not going to do it, not going to do it. Wouldn't be right, not going to do it, over and over again. So she's frustrated by his rejection. And then one day she sends everybody else away, calls Joseph in, and begs him again. And he says, no. And then he runs away from her. She grabs his coat, and then she screams. And then she said, he tried to rape me. So Joseph is now framed. Potiphar comes home. Mrs. Potiphar tells him the story, and he decides to put Joseph in jail. He got very angry, as you would as a husband, if you hear that this guy just tried to rape your wife, and he had Joseph put in prison. So that's where we're going to go to now is Joseph in prison. Look what it says in Genesis 39 about that time. It says, the Lord was with Joseph in the prison. 
He showed him his faithful love. Before long, the warden put Joseph in charge of all the other prisoners and over everything that happened in the prison. The warden had no more worries because Joseph took care of everything. The Lord was with him and caused everything he did to succeed. So we've seen Joseph in the pit and in the penthouse. Now we're uh, spending some time with Joseph in the prison. Joseph is there as a prisoner. And just like his time with Potiphar, uh, Joseph proved to, uh, to be uh, reliable, trustworthy, and all these things in the prison. And he was put in charge of everything, the other prisoners and all of this. So there was two special prisoners, the cupbearer to Pharaoh and the chief baker, and they both, both got thrown in prison. They had a dream. Each of them had separate dreams, and they wanted Joseph to interpret, tell them what the dreams were all about because they understood he could interpret dreams. And Joseph did. And for the baker, it wasn't good news. And he ended up hanged. For the cupbearer, the dream meant he was going to be restored to his old job. So Joseph said, hey, when you get restored, will you put in a good word for me? Just remember me. Tell Pharaoh about me when you're there. So the dreams were fulfilled. The cupbearer got out, and guess what? He didn't remember Joseph, forgot Joseph for two years. And then Pharaoh had a dream, and that jogged the cupbearer's memory. And the cupbearer said, hey, I remember a guy in prison. His name was Joseph. He can interpret your dream, Pharaoh. So now we move Joseph from the prison to the palace. He's going to spend some time here in the palace now. He interpreted Pharaoh's dream, which the summary of it was there's going to be seven years of plenty in the land and seven years of famine in the land. And what you need to do is during the seven years of plenty, you need to store up. You need to do some saving so that you'll have plenty for the seven years of famine. So Pharaoh said, well, who could do that? Who could I put in charge of that? Oh, you, Joseph, it's your idea. I think you'd be good at that. So now Joseph is second in command right under Pharaoh uh, of Egypt. So then, remember those brothers that sold him to the Midianites because they decided that was better than killing him? Remember them? All right. So Egypt now in this time of famine has food. Joseph's brothers come to get food, come to Egypt to get food. And guess who they saw there? Joseph, Joseph. They had to answer to Joseph. They had to bow before Joseph to get food. Now, they didn't know it was Joseph uh, at the time. And then uh, he treated them with great generosity and kindness. And then when he revealed himself to him, they were shocked and afraid. But he comforted them. He said this to them. He said, you intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. So God used Joseph there in Egypt to save the lives of the Egyptians as well as the nation of Israel. Now that's a summary of the story of Joseph's life. Did you catch all that? You got it, right? If you've never heard that story before, uh, go back and read Genesis 37 through 50. But now I want us to do a little bit of a dive into each one of those places that Joseph spent time and see what life lessons we can draw out. So first, a lesson from the pit. When Joseph was in the pit, here's the lesson we can take away from that. Is God's plan for your life will not always be supported by others. For you and I, God's plan for our lives 
is not always going to be supported by others. His brothers were already jealous of him. And when they heard God's plan for Joseph's life, it only serves to fuel that resentment and fire and anger. They weren't interested in understanding the plan, and they just wrote it off. And this was a scary time for Joseph when he was in the pit. The brothers were not only unsupportive, they were actually actively opposing him. Again, they wanted to kill him. They threw him in the pit. And in the pit, he's thinking, I'm going to die here, and my dreams are going to die with me. Look at Genesis 42, 21. This is how we know he was anxious in the pit. It says, speaking among themselves, they say, clearly we are being punished because of what we did to Joseph long ago. We saw his anguish when he pleaded for his life, but we wouldn't listen. Joseph's time in the pit was scary. Have you ever had a dream or a calling on your life? And the people around you didn't get it. They weren't supportive of it. We actually experienced that when we first came to Australia 22 years ago. People around us thought we were nuts. And they were right. (laughs) God had called us. And people tried to dissuade us and say, you shouldn't do that. There's, there's snakes there and they're, you know, it's crazy. And everybody runs around, you know, riding kangaroos and all, all that kind of stuff. So. But it was a calling that God had put on our lives. And we had to follow through with that. So maybe people actively oppose you. Maybe they're not interested in hearing about your dream and plan that God has for your life. Maybe you can relate to where Joseph was. It can be frustrating because you'll be looking at your dream and your plan and you believe it's from God and you're saying, hey, I'm following God and I'm just trying to live it out. People should be on board here. Everybody else should be excited about this ministry that I am called to do. Why won't the pastor let me start that ministry up? Why are people opposing me? Can you relate to any of that? I would suggest to you that when our dreams aren't supported by others and it gets scary for us, that fulfilled dreams lie on the other side of our greatest fears. When we are afraid, the dream being fulfilled is on the other side of that. We got to get through that fear. See, sadly, many times we allow fear to stop us and shut us down. We believe that God has a plan, but when it gets tough, we see obstacles. We want to give up. Psalm chapter 118, verse 6 says, The Lord is on my side. I will not be afraid. What can men do to me? When we're afraid and we're trying to follow God's plan, we need to claim that verse. The Lord is on my side. I'm not going to be afraid because what can people do to me anyway? Steady as she goes in the face of fear. Remember the dreams and the plans God has for you. And if they are from God, let that get you to the other side of fear. Now, that's the lesson in the pit. Now we're going to learn a lesson from the penthouse. The lesson from the penthouse is this. God's plan for your life will take you to places you don't expect. All right? People won't be supportive, and it will take you to places you don't expect. Joseph was the favored son. He was treated special. He grew up in a privileged position. He never did a hard day's work in his life up to that point as a 17-year-old favorite son. Now Joseph is a slave. 
in a foreign land, in a culture that's not his. And he has to, he is literally owned by someone else. He's a servant taking care of other people's stuff where he had been previously the one that had the stuff. He went from privileged to being a possession. And despite the difficult situation that Joseph finds himself in here, he's in a place he didn't expect. We see that he remained faithful on course, steady as she goes. What we can learn from that is that when we're places that we don't expect, fulfilled dreams lie on the other side of our faithfulness. That's what Joseph was in Potiphar's house. He was faithful. He was steady. He was Joseph. He just did what Joseph does. He didn't worry about where he was in the context that he was living in. He was just faithful, and he succeeded. That's not the only way, though, Joseph demonstrated faithfulness. Because I told you, things got bad for Joseph. It was going well in Potiphar's house, but then Mrs. Potiphar had other plans. Joseph was faithful when the opportunity came for him to do what was wrong. You know, success will give us opportunities. Not all those opportunities are good ones. That's what's going on with Joseph. He's successful. He's the favored servant now. He's a good-looking young man, and he got opportunities because of that. But he said, no, look what he said to her in Genesis 39. It says, no one here has more authority than I do. He has held back nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How could I do such a wicked thing? It would be a great sin against God. Think about Joseph's life up to this point. He's got this dream, and things have not gone well. They were going to kill him. They threw him in a pit. He's sold to gypsies, and now he's a slave in Potiphar's house. Things have not gone well. He could have actually justified, hey, you know what? I don't even know if God exists anymore, because certainly my life's not working out the way I thought it was going to according to those dreams, right? So why? Why not? Why not give in to this? I'm sure it would have been a temptation for Joseph. How do you respond when you find yourself in unexpected places? I can tell you lots of stories about places that we've ended up where we didn't expect. But Joseph tells us, shows us that we just need to be faithful. We need to continue steady as she goes. Places that are not a plan, part of the plan we thought was playing out. You know, the temptation is to assume that we got the plan wrong at that point. When we end up in places we didn't expect to be, the plan is to assume, I must have got it wrong, so I'm going to give up. I'm going to chuck in that plan, and I'm going to embrace this new life, whatever it is. I'm going to settle in. What we learn from Joseph is that we just need to keep being who God's made us to be, who he's called us to be, whatever context we find ourselves in. So in places you never expected to be, stay steady as she goes. Be faithful. Be who God has called you to be, wherever it is. So that's from the, from the penthouse. Now we're going to learn another lesson from the prison. Here's the lesson. God's plan for your life may leave you feeling used and forgotten. Remember, Joseph is a man of integrity. He's a man of character. And he's actually running the prison and he's serving others. He did the right thing. He was interpreting their dreams for them. And then when they got out of prison, 
the cupbearer, when the cupbearer got out of prison, the chief baker uh, couldn't put in a good word for Joseph because he got hanged. But the cupbearer, look what it says. It says this. It says, but the king's cupbearer, the Pharaoh's chief cupbearer, however, forgot all about Joseph, never giving him another thought. Joseph has a choice to make here. He's been faithful in his service for all this time, every situation. And he's been serving others. And it really hasn't gotten him anywhere except now forgotten. Okay, that's where Joseph's sitting. Think about what your mental state would be at that point. Now you're forgotten. You've done the right thing every single time. Wherever God's put you, you've done the right thing. And now you're being forgotten. He could have become bitter and angry. He could have felt sorry for himself and focused on the negative. But Joseph was clearly generous in forgiveness. And you know, he forgave the cupbearer is the point here. And it wasn't about forgiving the cupbearer for the cupbearer's sake. It was so that Joseph could cope with what was going on. Because if he'd held on to that anger and bitterness and resentment, it's just going to eat him up there in prison. He forgave to release himself from that burden. What we learn here then is that fulfilled dreams lie on the other side of forgiveness. There's going to be times when you serve others and they're not grateful. You're going to feel unappreciated at times. I hope that doesn't happen around here for you. There are times when you might get forgotten. Times when you will feel like you didn't get credit for the job that you did and what you deserve. Times where you weren't included in spaces you thought you should have been included in. How are you going to cope with that? When you end up feeling lonely and used, how are you going to deal with that? Can I suggest to you that the way to deal with that is to forgive? Even if people don't know that they've wronged you, forgive them. You may not even have to tell them because maybe they really didn't wrong you, but the way it's affecting you, you've got to release it. Times you feel used, forgotten, abandoned, or lonely. Be a forgiver and stay focused on the dream steady as she goes. So two years later, the cupbearer remembers, and now we're going to learn a lesson from the palace. So in the palace, here, here we go. This is a great lesson. You're going to love this one. God's plan for your life is not about you, but what God does through you. Oh, this is exciting, isn't it? Learning these life lessons about who wants to follow God's plans and dreams right now? <laughs> Hopefully, even though it's hard, you got to say yes. But God's plan for you isn't about you. It's about what God is going to do through you. Joseph's called from the prison to the palace, and he's steady as she goes using his gift. See, God had given him the gift of interpreting dreams. That's what he used in the prison. Now he's using it in Pharaoh's court there. So he... If Joseph had considered his dreams of ruling his brothers and his mom and dad, if he thought those were about him, he could have gotten angry and frustrated and uncooperative. Joseph saw those dreams as bigger than him. Look what he said here. Back to that verse where, uh, where he's telling his brothers, you intended to harm me. You intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. See, Joseph said that dream was about saving the lives of many people. It wasn't about me being a great ruler and powerful and having a great position. 
It was about saving the lives of many people. God's plan for you is not about you. It's about how he's going to work through you, what he's going to do through you. So Joseph's vision was beyond himself. But in the end, he was elevated to an unbelievable place. He was the second in command. He had the power. He had the position that allowed him to save the lives of many people. All through this 20-plus years, this dream had, consistent, had been a place where Joseph was consistently trusting God. Trusting God when it didn't make sense. Even when I don't see it, you're working. It didn't make sense, but he was consistent. Wherever he found himself, in the pit, in the penthouse, in the prison, and now in the palace. Here we learn that fulfilled dreams lie on the other side of genuine faith. That's what drove Joseph. He believed the dream was from God. He believed God was going to do what God wanted to do. And even if it didn't make sense at different junctures in his life, he had faith that God was going to do what God said he was going to do. So when plans and dreams that we're living out aren't looking the way we thought they should, remember they're not about you. And ask yourself, what is God doing to minister to other people through me? Maybe that is where we got off track. We've talked a lot about dreams and plans today, and I hope you've noticed. We're talking about God's dreams. We're talking about God's plans for your life. We're not talking about your plan for your life. You're not talking about my plan for your life. I've got a plan for every one of your lives. Come come talk to me afterwards. I can tell you. I've got a plan for your life. But those aren't the plans and dreams we're talking about. And friends, if we try to apply these same principles to fulfilling our own plans and dreams and chasing after our own destinations and aspirations, it's not going to work the same. But if we're following God's plans, if we're following God's dreams, friends, he'll be there with us in the pit. He'll be there when we're a servant in the penthouse or when we're in the prison or if we end up in the palace one day. Joseph was focused on God's plan. So if you find yourself today, wherever you're at with your dreams and your plans, if you feel unsupported in the pit, remember, fulfilled dreams lie on the other side of our greatest fears. If you are feeling or finding yourself in an unexpected place, remember, fulfilled dreams are on the other side of your own faithfulness. Wherever you find yourself, just be faithful. If you are feeling unappreciated in a prison right now, if you're feeling unappreciated in the prison, remember fulfilled dreams are on the other side of your willingness to forgive. And then get ready for the unbelievable. Get ready to see what God's going to do, how he's going to fulfill the dream Stay steady on because fulfilled dreams are on the other side of genuine faith. Keep believing if God's given you a dream. This is a verse I want you to take home with you today. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 9 says, Let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Friends, if you've got a dream, and maybe you came here today and, and you've abandoned your dream that God had given you years ago, decades ago even. Can I encourage you? It's not over yet. 
don't quit yet. You're not finished yet. You're still breathing. You're not done yet. God's not done writing the story. Stay steady as she goes. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the life of Joseph and what we can learn from him. Or thank you for the pits in our life. Thank you for the times when we are allowed to serve in your penthouses. Thank you for even the prison times where we feel forgotten. Lord, we all would rather be in the palace. But Lord, help us even as we see things come to fruition in our lives, as we are put in positions that have influence, help us not to consume those upon ourselves. Help us to see what you are doing in the lives of other people through us. Thank you, God, for your love for us, for looking after us, and for giving us dreams and passions and plans. In Jesus' name, amen.